All right, back again for another week of fun here at the Elite Zone podcast. Unfortunately, uh, Keanu Reeves couldn't make it today, so we had to pick up uh, your, your name is Danny, Danny Drysdale again from last week. Um, he is the Southern California Sales Director of Intercap Lending. That's right. That's right. Sorry to disappoint that I'm not Keanu or LeBron. I saw LeBron's coming LeBron, in. LeBron, he'll, he'll be weeks, here. So, okay. He'll be here. Yeah, All right, no good. about that. Good. Well, welcome. Thank you for uh, coming by again. Spend some time with me. Excited um, to be back. Yeah. Um, so I, I brought you back because Keanu canceled. Right, obviously. But also because I saw that you were like top 1% of people on earth or something like that. It was... <laughs> Uh, top one percent loan originator. Uh, technically, it's true. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's fun to be recognized when you when you put in work and put in some positive things. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's looking nationally, there's about three hundred fifty thousand uh, mortgage professionals. Um, so it's fun to be able to rank in the top fifteen hundred or so, which how, is great. So, how'd you do it? How'd you do that? Uh, and that's nationwide too, right? That's not nationwide. just like correct on, on my street. Not on your street, okay. no. Right. Yeah, not just in your block. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, no. Uh, I mean, just like anything, hard work, perseverance, putting the right systems together, utilizing the right tools to be able to get in the right place. But ultimately, where everything originates from is always having the client's best interest at heart. I agree. I mean, I, I feel like I say this all the time here too: is that you, you do good things and good things come back around to you, right? And Absolutely. Money, money will follow later. Hundred percent. Right? On my page. All right. Yep. If you if you lead with the intention of trying to make money, typically it doesn't. I mean, obviously we all you know you, we all do what we do. We have to pay our bills. But if you lead with uh, a bigger purpose than that, um, typically money tends to follow in a greater way than it, it would have otherwise. So. Yeah. And the last time we talked about you doing networking events here. Philanthropy stuff. You're out there. You're always. You're just chugging along. Like we crazy, like to right? give back. We like to give back, and we like people. We like to be in in yeah. in front of people and be a part of a lot of the great things going on. And also, you're probably one percent because of all the knowledge that you have, right? You're probably super smart, and everybody like totally looks up to you. I pretend to be very very <laughs> smart. Yeah, um, it's like my whole life. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's how I got through school. Yeah. So I continue to make it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, no, there is, I think there is a big element to that. Um, I reference this, I actually talk with all of my clients about this, um, very exact thing. I've been in the industry almost 20 years now. Um, and the, the mortgage industry, there's no other way to say it. The mortgage industry is functioning differently than it ever has before because of what's happening with the fed, the fed rate hikes, what's gone on with mortgage rates and the, you know, the increase of rates last year, where they're he- where they are right now and where they're headed over the next few years it's it's changed a lot of things investors have changed the way they look at things and and so it's very very important to really understand some of those trends because um, a lot of those things that we all have downloaded of you got to put 20 percent down and you've got to um, you know the, the this investor you've got to work with a big bank or some of those things that in the past maybe were true uh, just simply aren't the case anymore yeah lots of things have changed lots of things um, have changed yeah so speaking of big banks small banks regional banks and stuff what's going on with the banks um yeah it's uh it's an interesting situation right now uh, you know the federal reserve 
it's always funny. There's rules that they have, and they try to stick on a certain, stick on a, go towards a certain direction, and they want to stick to those until something breaks. Right? They'll they'll stick on a path until there's chaos in the markets or or something breaks. They and at that point, oftentimes they change the rules, um, and that's kind of what we saw and and how we saw things, and ultimately. What was leading up to some of the small Silicon Valley bank collapses and, and some of the other banks that had to, they had to get rescued, in essence? A lot of that was due to the rate hikes that the Fed has done over time to be able to get a c- control on inflation, which is a great thing because inflation can be very scary and, and very detrimental to a lot of people just in everyday life trying to pay their bills, trying to live. Um, so they had to make those necessary decisions, but by doing so, it, it, what we've realized is it put a lot of banks in jeopardy. And so specifically smaller regional banks like Silicon Valley Bank, and they, they were obviously more of a unique situation with a niche market, but they were moving in a certain direction until that happened. And really the biggest thing they want to do, even though the, the Federal Reserve has a dual mandate for price stability and full employment, that is the dual mandate of the Federal Reserve. Their two jobs on this, on this planet are to make sure that prices stay stable and that people stay employed. But in that, they also want to make sure that there's not chaos in the markets. And as Silicon Valley Bank and other banks started to show some weaknesses, they had to step in and change their approach a little bit. Um, and so they stepped in, they rescued banks, even though there were some deposits that weren't necessarily insured by the FDIC to make sure that people weren't scared about their money, that they were okay and there wasn't a run on the banks and things like that. So um, that leading up to some of the decisions they've made as far as the increases or whether they're going to continue increasing the Fed funds rate, um, that it's all kind of connected. And so now they're going towards credit tightening for some smaller and regional banks that they think is going to take place and help rather than just continuing to raise that Fed funds rate. So, yeah. uh, Crazy. No, I've, I've heard, I don't know anything of what you just said, <laughs> but I have heard that you got to break something in order to fix it right yeah. now. So that's kind of what they're doing. And I think that kind of takes out or weeds out all of the, the bad actors, right? Or quote unquote bad actors. And then yeah. what you're left with is... Uh, top notch cream of the crop cream of the crop absolutely stuff, right totally like, agree. like you and yeah. me that's right yeah cream of the crop yeah yeah, yeah. well you i'm oh well, thank you that's kind words yeah absolutely no but when we're looking and sorry i can i can definitely get excited and and nerdy about get everything nerdy. that's Let's going go. on um but in a in a, a greater view and a greater scope of things um some of the things, if you saw some of the comments yesterday, the Federal Reserve had a meeting yesterday. They decided that they were going to raise rates again a quarter percent. That was my next question. What's going on with the rate hikes? Leading into that. Yeah. Let's go, baby. All right. So they, they did actually raise rates a quarter of a percent. Yeah. But as far as how that's related, and specifically talking on this podcast, it's more about how does that affect the, the mortgage market, the real estate market, and real estate industry as a whole, right? Um, and so... In those situations, the market expected they were going to raise rates a quarter of a percent. So much of 
how whether it affects interest rates for mortgages in a good way or a bad way are dependent on the comments and some of the information that's released in the press conference after the fact. So it's not necessarily the decision to raise, but it's more so the projection of what's their take on moving forward. And so ultimately, yesterday, even though they raised rates a quarter of a percent, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of commentary, and they basically kind of changed their view and changed some of the verbiage rather than saying, um, you know, they're going to to most likely, in simple terms, you know, they're, they're actively going to be looking if they need to raise rates again. They changed it just a little bit and said, we're going to monitor things and see if we need to change rates. And although that may not sound that different between, from, from you or I, that was actually really positive in the mortgage market. So even though the Federal Reserve raised the Fed funds rate a quarter percent yesterday, we've seen a positive response as far as mortgage rates ultimately meaning mortgage rates are trending in a positive, good direction, trending lower, which is great. Right. And I mean, we've probably seen in the past, as you well know, I mean, they've been raising it 75 points, right? 50. Yeah. So the fact that they're even going to 25 and then saying, oh, looks like uh, the response from you guys, you know, yeah, we can, we can. So, so it feels like it's, it's almost topping out. I, right. I agree with that, yeah. And, and if you look at all of the different reports, and once again, I'm getting nerdy here, but yeah. um, when you look at the CPI report, the PPI report, the PCE reports that all kind of measure inflation, those have all capped and they've come down significantly since their peaks. So what they have done is working. Some of those pieces are still yet to be seen specifically with the CPI report, which we actually get a CPI report next Wednesday on May 10th. Um, one of the biggest pieces of that CPI report, how that's, how that's weighted as far as what is, is happening, is the, the housing portion of the report. Now, when they're talking about housing in the CPI report, the Consumer Price Index report, which is the report that measures inflation to the regular consumer, they're not talking about mortgage rates or the cost to buy a home. They're talking about rents and owner's equivalent of rents. And so what we've actually seen is the real-time numbers are much lower than what the numbers show in the report, the CPI report. And it's because it's a lagging, there's kind of a lag effect to it. So it's like a roller coaster. It's getting over the hump. Well, this next week on May 10th, we think that everything is going to start to show that we're now on the downslope of things, and that's just going to further continue that inflation is falling quicker. It's going to kind of start that snowball effect, um, moving rates in the right direction again. Right. So do you think because of that, um, that just housing is going to start booming again? Uh, absolutely. And I think based on the market that you're in, in a lot of markets, we're actually already seeing that housing is booming pretty aggressively. Um, and in a lot of markets that I'm present in have been booming since the beginning of the year. Um, so when this happens, and this is the tricky part for, for all of you real estate agents that are listening to this, um, as you get more people off the fence and rather than waiting and saying, oh, I'm going to wait till rates come down, as rates start to come down, there's going to be a lot more buyers in the market. Mm-hmm. But when more buyers enter the market, we don't have a lot more inventory. We don't have a lot more homes to sell. 
And so it's going to create more of that environment that, you know, multiple offers on homes, prices go up, you have to pay more for a certain property, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you're saying, I mean, buy that thing now, refinance in whatever, a year from now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The, when you actually look at, in fact, Fannie Mae releases monthly, Fannie Mae releases a report what's projected to happen with interest rates quarterly and annually over the next few years. Ultimately, by the end of 2024, they're saying that they expect interest rates to be in the low fives. Um, and right now they're, you know, mid sixes yeah. as far as Fannie Mae is concerned. So, um, there's definitely there's definitely a trend over the next year or two that they're going to be in a much different situation. Buy the home now, be able to take advantage of the home ownership because equity is going to grow over the next 12 to 18 months. As a homeowner, you're going to be able to buy a home, take advantage of that equity, and then restructure your financing when that time is optimal. Right. So real estate agents should be out there right now just working. Hustling. 25 hours a day. 26, 26 hours 26 a day. probably. Yeah, yeah. even. Yeah, Because yeah, of the time change. Yeah, 26, yeah. 8, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's great information. Um, so right now, the rate hike isn't really affecting the mortgage rates that much because we're pretty much topping out, but it will. it's on the downturn. A lot of it is going to depend on what the comments are after after the Fed meetings every yeah. month, month over month. So if you actually look back last year, June, July, August, they did three hikes in a row of 75 basis points in June, mm-hmm. July, August. The first time they hiked rates in June, 75 basis points, there was a very positive response as far as mortgage rates, and they dropped about three-quarters of a percent in, in the next three to four weeks, which was great. Yeah. And then by the third hike of 75 basis points, it was the same hike, but we had the same amount of hike, right? Yeah. But we had a very negative response, and rates really really started going high because it it, it changed the scope. At at first, they were saying, hey, the Fed is being serious about tackling inflation. That's a really good thing. We're going to get out of this soon. And then that they kept doing it time and time again. Everybody thought, oh, crap, this is is scary. There's a lot going on, right? The good thing is, is everybody's realized now that inflation has peaked, now that everything is starting to show that things are moving in the right direction, because of that, um, I think the shock value is kind of really worn off. Yeah, in the beginning, right? Absolutely, the yeah. shock value is worn off. People are not. Uh, people realize that the sky isn't falling, right? Yeah. One, rates aren't going to ten percent, but also home prices aren't dropping twenty percent, thirty percent, right? Yeah. Um, and so, in looking at things, they're understanding that well, this is what it takes to get into a home now. We're not going to be able to wait to buy a home at a 20% discount. Yeah. Uh, let's get in. And they're starting to realize the, the reality of this current market. Speaking amazing. of like rate hikes, is Batman Biden a good Batman or a bad Batman? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. but like, So I've heard if you have good, good credit, then you'll have a higher rate. I saw it on the news and stuff. Right. Yeah, right. right. Biden wasn't in a Batman suit. I just kind of made that <laughs> yeah. up. But how how is that true? Like, what's going on? This I'm so glad you asked about this because there is so much misinformation uh, in the market in general right now. And 
it's interesting to look at and realize how the media is is functioning, especially in the current environment with social media and being able to grab people's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, they made this specific move a very political move, and people wanted to address and say, Biden is making interest rates worse for people with good credit. It's better to have a bad credit score, and you'll get a better interest rate. The truth is, is that's just absolutely false. So there's something in the mortgage business, in the mortgage industry, referred to as LLPAs, or Loan Level Price Adjustments. Ultimately, what that is, is that's an adjustment to your interest rate based on your credit score, your down payment amount, the type of property, meaning whether it's a single family home or a condominium, multiple different things. There's about 28 different pieces or trigger points that dictate what your end result rate is going to be. That's always been there. It's always been there. They're changing the LLPAs constantly. This happened to be a, a little bit larger adjustment and change to it. And ultimately what they did is they leveled the playing field. So previously, if you had a 780 FICO score and 20% down, there were very, very minimal adjustments to your interest rate. Mm. If you had a 640 FICO score and only 3 or 5% down, your interest rate was significantly worse than if you had great credit. Now, what they've realized is over the last 12 years or so since the 2008 mortgage crisis, they've realized that there's so many things that have been put into place that people are paying their payments and there's not a, a there's not a drastic correlation to people with lower credit defaulting compared to people with higher credit one default rates are at an all-time low in general but when you actually compare there's not a significant difference between people defaulting with great credit versus less than perfect credit so what they did is they leveled the playing field a little bit to be able to help people try to get into homes and get into the, the housing market. Now, at the end of the day, whenever you, it's the yin and yang of the universe, right? Whenever you, whenever you give somewhere, you have to take from somewhere else. So there were a couple areas that didn't have very big adjustments for people in the 700 to 740 FICO score range before, that there's a little bit larger adjustments now. That's what the media took that snapshot and that's what they ran with but there's an actual chart that shows every single every single credit score tier and every single loan to value tier down payment tier and you can see that in every single situation if you have a better credit score you will get a better interest rate than somebody with a lower credit score yeah no i've seen that i've seen that out here on instagram if you want to follow danny at Danny underscore D underscore IG. Did I get it right? There you go. You did Man, off the top of your I'm head. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that on your, your Instagram and your social media. It really, I think, gets the, the regular people into a house rather than investors or people with tons and tons of money. It just gives them a better shot at getting, at getting that house that they want. Yeah, it just tweaks things, right? Yeah. It, it was, if, if you're looking at things, there was a more drastic difference, and it's, it's just tweaked it a little bit to give everybody a little bit more fair shot. Now, at the end of the day, whether this is the right move or not, I mean, we're, we're years away from actually seeing the result of all this. Who's to say whether this is correct or right or not? But it's something that each individual lender doesn't have the ability to dictate. This is, 
across the board. Nobody's got a crystal ball. Nobody's got a crystal ball, and this is affecting people across the board. The other interesting thing is, is technically the way that the way that the guidelines are written about this recent change is it's affecting loans delivered as of May 1st. Yeah. So people started talking about this a couple weeks ago when the truth is from a, a lender's perspective, we actually made changes to those rates 30, 60 days ago because it's when we deliver that loan to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And so we had to start preparing for this forever ago. So everything that you're seeing now it's already it's already taken effect. It's already been in there, and it was already in there pretty much the whole month of April. All right, so I'd like to move on to let's talk about some micro and macro trends. Like, what's the difference between these two? What do you look at the most? What's what's happening? What's macro versus micro? Yeah, it's so interesting when you're talking about the real estate industry and the trends in general of what are happening because most of the national media is reporting about things nationally. And if you're looking to buy a home, if I'm looking to buy a property right now here in Southern California, specifically in San Diego, California, where I am right now, why does it matter to me what's happening in Buffalo, New York, right? As far as what's happening in that housing market. I need to look because at... Because my parents live right there in Rochester. That's, well, that's why. Well, we're going to go visit them and go to a Bills game. I understand yes. that. Yes. That's going to happen <laughs> when we finally convert you back to being a Bills fan. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Agree to disagree, sir. <laughs> but when we're looking at things, we, it's really important if you're buying a home in whatever market you're buying in, wherever you are, if it's in North Carolina, if it's in Kansas City, Missouri, if it's in Southern California to understand and work with professionals that understand that specific niche market because things are functioning differently in every market. Nationally, in general, we don't have enough inventory, but there's certain markets, there's some markets you look at. Austin, Texas is one. Boise, Idaho is one. Las Vegas is even one a little bit. San Francisco, the Bay Area, there's a lot of markets they're not as aggressive or competitive as some of the other markets that are out there. When you look at a market like San Diego, California, that has 2,000 homes on the market for a county of 3.3 million people, there's a lot of demand. That's a very different market than what Austin, Texas may look like right now. And in that situation, if you're buying in Austin, you need to make sure that you understand somebody in that market and that you're working with somebody that understands that market rather than just listening to what's going on nationally and what's happening in the trends because that may not actually be relevant or relative to you and what your goals are, what you're looking to do. That's a great point. I mean, so like as, as if you're a real estate agent, I mean, that's what we tell our real estate agents all the time, that you want to be the professional in your area. Even if it's, <clears throat> you know, we're in Miramar right now, you want mm -hmm. to be the professional in Miramar and sprinkle on a couple areas that you really know well. Yeah. Um, that's micro, micro, but I mean, you're just talking about cities in general. I know the East Coast had some uh, drops in home values, but the West Coast was still going up. So, yeah, it's, it's different. Those trends are different and they're changing everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, you're exactly right. And so 
when you're looking at different things, speaking to, and I know I'm touching on, and I apologize, I'm touching on, you know, Southern California a lot, but bringing up Rochester, New York versus San Diego, California, they're dealing, there's a lot more um, weather-related trends in Rochester, New York than there are in San Diego, California, Mm. right? And so there's, you know, buying season because it's busier and not as many people are looking to buy homes in the wintertime when they can't see what's under the snow or, you know, it's, it's just tough to get out and go shopping for a home when you're getting hit in the face with I remember Snow, the good right? old days. The, yeah. the good times. We don't deal with those here, right? So the yeah. trends are different. What's happening throughout the month, every month is different, all of those different things. So you really need to be the master of your market. Totally agree. Totally agree. We have everybody here. Um, you know, we, we do websites and, and marketing for real estate agents. Right. And people come in and they tell us, you know, I want to be the San Diego real estate agent. And mm-hmm. we say, no, no, no. That's a little too broad of right. an area. Where do you typically work in and sell right. your homes? Like, right. where area do you know the best? So then we kind of focus in and drill down in that area. Absolutely. We've seen a lot more success. I mean, not even just from their own business, but from like an SEO standpoint. Mm-hmm. People Googling homes in Miramar. I mean, you're going to find that person who's put a lot of work into the Miramar area. Absolutely. And you guys do just a little shout out. You guys do it better than anyone I've seen as far as focusing on and helping your agents understand some of those things and truly be a resource to your clients and your real estate agents that you work with. Because actually giving them advice and helping them specialize and focus on what's going to help make their real estate website better based off of their their focus and their areas of expertise. Um, there's a lot of companies and a lot of people out there that are just looking at, you know, hey, yeah, we can set this up and move on to the next. And you guys are doing such an incredible job of really, truly helping them develop and establish a, a good network in their in their small specialization in their small category. Oh, thanks for those kind words. We try. We're trying. You succeed. You do a great job. I don't have anything else for you off the top of my head. I've got a question for you. Oh, you have a question for me? I've got, let's put, yeah, you're in the hot seat. How about that? Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, Speaking of the websites that you guys create and what you guys do, obviously, I would imagine the the masses that are listening to this uh, know and understand what you guys do, but what is something that the agents that you work with can do, whether it be daily, monthly, right, whatever you would recommend to be able to, to maximize and capitalize on the opportunity that you give them with an incredible website within their market? First of all, I'm asking the questions here. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, good question. We do a lot of things. I mean, the, the the biggest thing that we tell our clients is, you know, a website is just a website. I mean, it's the same thing with a business. I mean, business is just a business until you get out there and you market it. You tell people about it. I mean, you can't just be like, okay, I, I created my escort. Justin's escort. <laughs> right. Just sit down and wait for the money, right? That's right. Right. right? So you got to go out there and you got to go out there and get it. Um, being a real estate agent is a very personable job. Like, you have to have person skills people-to-people skills. But really, there's a whole 
slew of stuff that you can do for it. From our standpoint, though, I mean, you can go out there and buy advertising. There's Facebook ads that work really, really great to get bring leads in. You can start, you know, if I just got my license today, I can go and get some Facebook ad leads and just, you got to get out there and do it. You know, you got to start practicing. You got to put in the work, you, you mean? Put in the work. Interesting. Interesting, right? So even if you don't succeed, like you're going to learn a lot of things by failing. That's, you can't be scared of failing. Um, I think even if you just started being a real estate agent or have your own business, you're not scared of failing yeah. to begin with. You're just, you know, you have to go for it, right? Yeah. So um, just doing that, getting some uh, Facebook ads out there for some leads is a great way. And then doing what we're doing. I mean, I have never done a podcast before um, until this year. I have always been afraid of video cameras, talking in front of people, going to networking events. You know, I would, I would shy away from that, and my business partner would do all that stuff because he's brilliant on, on, the, uh, on the old video and microphone and, and all that stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I'm jumping into it. I'm realizing that I like it, and it creates tons of content. And it's not even really about the podcast. It's not about me trying to be famous or anything because that would be not what I want in life. <laughs> it's me, 75% of this is creating content for social media, um, sharing it with the likes of yourself who has a following, and then you tagging back Agent Elite, and then getting in front of other people that are following you. It's a whole collaboration mindset. Yeah. And, um, you know, plus I like hanging out with you. Hey, that's a well, good thing. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, did you have another question? No. That was, I... that was it, huh? Um, no, also organically just writing blogs. I mean, there's AI out there now that can write blogs for you. I don't suggest just straight up copying that and putting it on your, on your website, but it just goes back to more content and that's, you know, taking that content the AI can give you and kind of rewriting it in a way that you would with your personality. It all goes back to content. So content for your page, content for your social media, content for people around you. You know, person to person wise, you just got to get out there and do it, man. You bring up a lot of really, really good points. And like I said before, you guys do such a good job at that. Um, I don't know what, I can't remember what the phrase is. It's either luck smells a lot like sweat or success smells a lot like sweat, right? But the truth is, whether it's luck or success, it's the hard work that's put in behind the scenes to be able to get to that point, right? I got a good, I got a good thing. What's, what's, what you got? Uh, luck is just preparation and opportunity meeting. Ooh, I like it. That's a good one. Right? It's a good uh, one. There's, I, I, yes, there are people that are lucky. You know, they, they might hit black or, or red at Vegas more than you. But really, you make your own luck. You hang, you, you hang out with the correct people. You do the, the right things. You work hard. You're more apt to be successful. Um, so, I would agree with that entirely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it. Yeah, no, thanks, Danny, for coming by. Uh, I appreciate your time, as always. Uh, absolutely, man. It's always a pleasure. I look forward to it. Um, it's always fun sharing some great information with, uh, with some incredible people. Cool. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, I'll put you on the calendar for sometime next year or so. For Between, the, uh, Between all Keanu the famous people. And LeBron. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate Wonderful. your time. Thank you. And once again, Danny Drysdale of Intercap Lending. Danny underscore D underscore IG. And this is Justin Hansey. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.